Welcome to Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia. This podcast is a collection of messages designed to help you grow in our three anchors of real devotional life, real community, and real responsibility. We hope that you enjoy this message and that it encourages you in your spiritual growth. Awesome. Um, hey everybody, if you don't uh, know me by now, my name is, is Josh. I'm on staff with Chi Alpha and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to bring the message uh, to us tonight. We are in the middle uh, of a series called Come and See. We have been walking through the Gospel of John this semester, and in the first half of the semester, we looked at Jesus's uh, public ministry. We saw him perform miracle after miracle. These were actually signs that were pointing the disciples and the, the crowds to who Jesus really was. He's Messiah, that he's um, the King, that he is our Savior. And a couple weeks ago, we uh, pivoted uh, to uh, the, the second half of the, of the Gospel of John, looking at uh, Jesus' private ministry. After he entered into Jerusalem, Jesus knew that there was some insider information that he needed to share with his disciples to, pre- to prepare them for what was about to come. So last week, uh, Pete taught uh, from uh, the, the, the story in which Jesus ate the Passover meal with his disciples, and he taught them that, that powerful message on love. And that is where we enter into tonight's story, uh, right after that Passover meal. Before we get to the story, I thought I would uh, share a little bit more about myself. That actually uh, tell you a, a personal struggle of mine. Uh, I am uh, notorious... Get rid of the paper airplane. I am notorious for losing things constantly. Is anybody, anybody in the crowd with me? My wife knows that it is true. In fact, uh, a few weeks ago, I bought myself some of those little air tags to put on all my stuff. And you're like, Josh, that is so extra. Who buys those stupid things? Me. They made those things for me because I am constantly losing things. In fact, uh, last year, I went through a, a dark season of my life for about three weeks, three whole weeks, where I could not find my keys. I know where they were. I looked high and low. I looked everywhere I knew to look, and I couldn't find those stinking things. It was stressful. It was a a hard time. But then at the end of those three weeks, I sat at my desk in the Kaifa office, and I opened up my left desk drawer to pull out an envelope. Lo and behold, there are my keys right there. For three weeks, they were 10 inches from my nose, and I couldn't find them somehow. I'm Terrible about losing things all the time. What about you guys? Have you ever lost something that was essential to your daily life? Maybe you didn't even realize how essential it was until it was gone. Question, what, what is the possession that if you woke up tomorrow and it was gone would be the most devastating to your daily life? What would it be? What would it be? What, what would it be? Your wallet, yeah, I was thinking student ID. I mean, as a first year, especially, you can't get anywhere on grounds without the student ID. The phone, that is right. I see a phone up in the back. I mean, how else are you going to TikTok without the phone? Car. Your car, I mean, I mean, you can only get Raisin Cane's by going through the drive-thru. How are you going to get Raisin Cane's if you woke up and your car was gone? Come on, I'm preaching now, Isaac. Or what about your Bible? trying to throw shade. Some of you are thinking, actually, I've got the Bible written on my heart, so I'm good. So, uh, some of you guys, yeah, yeah that's Brandon. Wow. <clears throat> but I have another question for you. 
Another question for you. What, what, about, what about when it comes to your faith? What would you say is most essential to your faith? You would say Jesus from the front row. I mean, it's the, it's the Sunday school answer. Of course, Jesus, the cornerstone to it all. I mean, some of you say the scriptures, that where would we be without God's word? Some of you would say, well, it's the community, my brothers and sisters in Christ. I couldn't do this thing alone. Now, what about prayer? I mean, where would we be without prayer? I think when we think about what is most essential to our faith, we'd probably all answer the question slightly differently. But in the passage that we're going to look at tonight, we're going to see Jesus answer this very question. What is most essential to our faith? In fact, I believe what Jesus is going to share with us is uh, the key to the Christian life. As we're going to look at tonight, would you open up with me to uh, John chapter 14. John chapter 14. We'll be covering a lot of ground tonight and John 14 and 16, so a lot of the passages will be up on the screen, but I would encourage you to use your Bibles as well if you have them, just so you can fact check me. I mean, we're about to read some crazy stuff, so you just want to make sure it's, it's in the Word. It's in red. So, at the end of chapter 13, right before we enter into tonight's story, we see at the end of chapter 13, Jesus began to explain to the disciples what to expect in the coming days. What Jesus is going to share with his disciples, it's, it's, it's shocking. Jesus tells the disciples that he is getting ready to leave them, that where he is going, they can't follow. Of course, Peter follows up that statement by telling Jesus, actually, Jesus, I am going to follow you. Even, even if I have to die, I am going to follow you. To, to that, Jesus says, actually, Peter, you're, you're, you're not going to follow me. In fact, in a few days, you're going to deny me three times. Peter shook. How could that be? Jesus goes on to say that not only is he leaving the disciples, but actually things are about to get real bad. Jesus says, you are going to be put out of the synagogue, which we know from Sarah's message means you're going to get put out from the community. Jesus says, people are going to pursue you and hunt you down to kill you because they think they are offering a service to God. Like, this is really bad stuff. Jesus knows it because he says, I didn't tell you this in the beginning because I was with you. It's Jesus' way of saying, I know that you jokers would have pieced out if I had told you this the first day that we met each other. So how do the disciples react? They're afraid, and no wonder. They're getting ready to have to navigate this world that is violently hostile to them, and they're going to have to do it without Jesus. They must have been thinking, there is no way, Jesus, that we can do this without you. And they'd be right. This was a difficult reality for, for them to face, for any of us to face. What we're going to see is that Jesus doesn't just leave them with a bunch of problems to hold on to. It's in this context, in this conversation, that Jesus reveals to them what will be the key to them thriving in this difficult environment. So what is it? The Holy Spirit. As we're about to find out, Jesus knows that the disciples need the Holy Spirit in their lives to thrive and to survive what is coming their way. 
I believe that this is not just true of the disciples, but it's true for us as well today. That is our need too. If we woke up tomorrow and the Holy Spirit had suddenly vanished from our lives, we'd be toast. There's no way that we can make it. But with the Holy Spirit, I believe that we can thrive and flourish under any circumstances. So that's what we're going to do for the next few moments is look at Jesus' insider information on the Holy Spirit and how he is the key, the essential element to the Christian life. Does that sound good? Awesome. All right, so first, let's talk about the name that Jesus uh, uses when he refers to the Holy Spirit as he begins this teaching. John 14, let's look in verse 16. Jesus says this, after he tells them he's going to leave them, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. This word that's translated advocate in NIV is uh, the, the word paraclete in the Greek. Now, paraclete was someone who was called on to help someone else in a time of need. And the, the paraclete wasn't just anybody. It was someone who was uh, more powerful and more capable and had more authority than the one being helped. Uh, sometimes it was used in the legal context to describe uh, a legal counselor coming alongside someone to defend them with their skills and ability and authority in a court of law. So Jesus is telling his disciples that he's not leaving them alone. and In fact, he is sending them, as he puts it, another advocate to help them, the Holy Spirit. It's interesting that Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as another advocate. Who do you think might be the, the first advocate that came along the way to help the disciples? I think it was Jesus, Jesus himself, that he was the advocate in the flesh. So as we think about how the Holy Spirit uh, wants to function in our lives, how he wants to help us, what it means for him to come alongside of us, I think we'd expect that the Holy Spirit will function in many of the same ways that Jesus himself was an advocate as he came alongside the disciples to help them. The Holy Spirit is our helper, that he is the one sent to us by Jesus to help us navigate life and to to be uh, strength for us, and we are not strong enough on our own. So what I'd like us to do is we're going to look at three ways in which the Holy Spirit is our our paraclete or advocate or helper. And we're going to unpack that by looking at the text, and I I believe that as we do this, we will all uh, see, and and I hope be convinced, that the Holy Spirit is Uh, the essential element or the key to the Christian life. So, first, the first thing that Jesus promises the disciples is the presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will be the very presence of God in their lives. Let's continue reading in John 14. In verse 17, Jesus says, But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. Now, can you imagine? These disciples have been following Jesus for three years. They've had a, a front row seat to the miracles. They have uh, heard all of the teachings. They've had sleepovers by the fireside with Jesus. That there's, for these disciples, there's nowhere that they'd rather be than with Jesus. That there was no one they'd ever met that was like Jesus. So how hard it must have been for them to hear that Jesus was leaving them. 
But Jesus, he tells them, he says, I'm not leaving you alone. I'm giving you my spirit, the Holy Spirit. And, and he's actually, he's not just going to be with you, but he's going to live in you. Which is a radically different idea, that, that the spirit will be in you. In fact, Jesus, he takes it a step further. In John 16, verse 7, Jesus says the following. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go, the advocate will not come to you. But if, uh, but if I go, I will send him to you. So I have a question for you. What could possibly be better than having Jesus with us? I mean, I think we'd all say we'd, we'd give anything to have Jesus just show up in the flesh in this room right now. I mean, I'd, I'd get off the stage, let him, you know, he'd probably have a pretty good message for us tonight if he showed up in the flesh. But Jesus says, it is better that I go away. I don't think Jesus is saying that the Spirit is somehow just better than the Son, categorically. But I, I believe that what Jesus is saying is that uh, when the Holy Spirit comes, that the Spirit of God, the, the, the presence of Jesus, will no longer be limited to Jesus' bodily form. That Jesus, uh, the, the, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit will be alive in the lives of all of us, of all who call on Jesus' name. And that in, in doing so, that we are never alone. Because practically speaking, if, if the Holy Spirit is always with us, it means that we are never alone. I mean, have you ever thought about that? That, that if you follow Jesus, if the Holy Spirit is with you, that you're never alone? means that tonight in this room, none of us are, are, are alone, that the Holy Spirit is with us. That tonight at 2 a.m. when you're studying in your room all by yourself and you're a little bit stressed out because the midterm is tomorrow, you're not alone because the Holy Spirit is with you. A few weeks when we go home for Thanksgiving, I know for some of you, uh, home it can, can be a, a challenging place. It can even feel like a lonely place. When you go home for Thanksgiving, guess what? You're not alone because the Holy Spirit is with you. Wherever you are, whatever you are going through, the Spirit of the living God is, is in you, and you are not alone. And Jesus says that is better. I'll also say this briefly about the Holy Spirit and his presence. One important theological distinction for us to make is that the Holy Spirit, that he's a person. That when Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit in this passage, he refers to him as a, as a he, not an it, right? And, and that is because the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. That we can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit because he is a person, and that is what makes the, the presence of the Holy Spirit powerful and dynamic and personal, is that he is a person that we can relate to and speak with and enjoy. The Holy Spirit, he's not a fire or a bird or a, a wind, even though those biblical images can be helpful to us, for us to understand who the Holy Spirit is. But ultimately, the Holy Spirit uh, he's a person in relationship with the Father and the Son, and that we too get to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So, first off, what, what makes the Holy Spirit the, the key to the Christian life? It is his, his presence. 
second promise that Jesus gives us regarding the Holy Spirit is that he will lead us in truth. He will lead us in truth. This was so important to those first disciples because they were getting ready to get thrown into the furnace. That the Roman Empire would be coming after them. That the religious leaders would be coming after them. Even the common servant girl would be challenging and questioning everything that they believed to be true. That they needed help. They needed to be reminded of the truth. They needed to be guided by the Holy Spirit so they would not fall astray. You know, I was a Boy Scout back in the day. Any, any Boy Scouts? Girl Scouts? Yeah? Okay, a few. Not, 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 not brave enough to raise your hand, but I know you're out there. So it's so a Boy Scout dropout, uh, but it was still all good. Um, there's something in scouting called uh, orienteering. Anybody know about orienteering? Probably Cal. Like, you're an Eagle Scout, right? I figured so. Yeah, yeah. It's just, just how he rolls. I mean, this, this dude is gold right here. Um, so, uh, so orienteering, that's where they would stick you out in the woods in the middle of nowhere, and then they'd say, good luck getting back to camp. Hope you make it for dark. So much fun, so much fun. Question, if you're stuck out in the wilderness, what do you need to get, get back to camp? Something magnetic. I see an iPhone, maybe. Like, hey, Siri, like, get me back to Bravo Camp. There's no iPhoning merit badge back then, so that wouldn't have counted. Wouldn't have counted. Uh, but uh, no, that's right. You need uh, to know where True North is. You need a map. You need a compass. You, you need a way when the wilderness is just going to throw you into confusion, to, uh, a way to find a source of truth, to know how to get where you need to go. And Jesus, he's telling the the disciples, that the Holy Spirit will, will be that guide, will be the one to remind them of truth, will be the one to help them navigate this new territory that they are about to step into. We know this is so vital, this is so essential, because Jesus talks so much about it in this passage. Let's go to the next slide. When we look at these, these chapters, we see, what does Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? He says that he is the spirit of truth, that the Holy Spirit will teach you all things, and remind you of everything I've said to you. Jesus says the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit will prove the world to be in wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. So much said in these two chapters about how the Holy Spirit is meant to guide us and lead us in truth. I want to share... uh, for a moment, about what this can look like practically in our lives. One of the ways that the Holy Spirit speaks truth to us is through something called the illumination of Scripture. Anybody heard of that term before? The illumination of Scripture. What's that? What is it? That is, that is when you're sitting down, you have a coffee or something, or a tea, or something to drink, and you got your Bible, you're reading Scripture, maybe you're reading a a passage of scripture you read a dozen times before, you could almost quote it from memory, and you're just enjoying your moment, all of a sudden the words just jump out of the page and slap you across the face. Sometimes it's like a warm, affirming, encouraging slap. Sometimes it's just full-blown rebuke or a challenge. What is that? What is that moment? I've, I've been there. You may have been there before too. That is the Holy Spirit 
bringing the text and the word of God alive in your life and speaking to your situation and what you're going through to, uh, to, to bring specific truth to your attention. It's called the illumination of Scripture. Sometimes uh, this can happen in our you know, private devotional times. Other times it may happen here at, at M&L or maybe it's in, in core group where the words that are being spoken sound like they're being spoken directly to you. What God is doing in that moment is through the power of the Spirit, taking a timeless truth and making it a timely truth in your life, that is a, a gift of grace that he gives us by the Holy Spirit. It's illumination of Scripture. Another way that the Holy Spirit functions is that he reminds us of truth. So Jesus used that word remind in the text. Sometimes the Holy Spirit uh, uh, reminds us, and the reminder is for us. If you've ever been in a a difficult moment or a a situation in which you're undergoing temptation, and the Holy Spirit knew that you needed some help, and maybe he reminded you of a scripture or reminded you of a truth about God to encourage you. There's plenty of moments in life where the Holy Spirit knows that we need help, so he will bring Scripture and truth to bear in our lives when our minds weren't going there on their own, that he needed to intervene. Sometimes the Holy Spirit gives us reminders for others. Maybe you have uh, been in a a conversation with a friend, maybe a core group member, and you're trying to encourage them. They're going through something tough or just processing through something, and you are doing your best to, to encourage them when all of a sudden... This verse just comes to mind, or this truth comes to mind that is the, the, the perfectly timely, relevant scripture to share with them. And you share it, and then they think, wow, you are so wise. And then inside, you're thinking, where did that come from? I didn't even know I, I, I knew that verse, but there it was, and there it went. And, and that was the Holy Spirit reminding you and using you to bring scripture and truth to bear in the life of your friend. It's powerful. I'll say this, one, one way that we see this happen more often in our lives, uh, one way in which we allow the Holy Spirit to remind us of truth more often is to be people who are saturated in truth. I believe that if we spend time in the Word, that if we uh, dig a, a deep well of Scripture and of truth for the Spirit to draw from, that He will remind us of truth more often. This is why being people of, of Scripture is so important. And finally, I want to bring up one more way that the Holy Spirit guides us in truth. That is this, that the Holy Spirit, he convicts. Jesus says that from the last slide, the Holy Spirit will prove the world to be wrong and sin and righteousness and and judgment. In other words, the way the world thinks about things is totally backwards. And Jesus, he speaks plainly about how the convicting work of the Holy Spirit is going to fall on some deaf ears. He talks about how the world does, has not seen the Holy Spirit and the world does not know him. As followers of Jesus, we need to ask ourselves the question, do we look like the, the world when it comes to the convicting work of the Holy Spirit? Are our eyes, are our ears shut to what the Holy Spirit would want to speak to us? Or are we sensitive and responsive to when the Holy Spirit speaks 
to us. I think we all, just like we all need to grow in our, our prayer lives, I think we all need to grow in our, our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Let me put a picture for what sensitivity looks like. So I've got two kids, Carter and Aubrey. They're, 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 they're young kids. And sometimes, this, this is terrible, but sometimes, you know, if I'm holding them, you know, and they're, they're sleeping sweetly in my arms, or if I just go to check on them in the rooms at night, sometimes, not always, I mean, hardly ever, but occasionally, I mean, why not? I'll go up to them, and I'll just reach my finger out, and I'll just tickle the toes a little bit. And then they squirm right away. It's immediate. It's crazy. But that's what they do. <laughs> it's okay. You can laugh. Don't, don't call CPS. Uh, so. <laughs> but that's a picture, of, that's a picture of, of sensitivity. Even though their minds are sweetly you know, sleeping and, and dreaming about things, their, their nerves are on high alert, and they just respond immediately to that uh, you know, stimulation or whatever. Um, so that's sensitivity. So for us, what does that look like? When, when the Holy Spirit speaks something to us, sensitivity means responding immediately. That we can't help but have a knee-jerk reaction to respond and, and willingness and obedience to the Holy Spirit. An example of that, I was talking to somebody over, over the past week, and they're, they're talking about how after Pete's message last week about who do you need to uh, ask for forgiveness from in the next 24 hours, Person told me, I, I, I did it later that night. And like, that is sensitivity to the Holy Spirit to not wait the full 24 hours, but to, to immediately seek out that forgiveness and listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit. So how do we develop a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit is through over and over again, whether it's small things or big things, uh, immediately responding in, in repentance and in seeking forgiveness when the Holy Spirit speaks to us. And as we do that, we'll hear him clearer and clearer. The inverse is true as well, that, that the more often we ignore the voice of the Spirit, that if over and over again we, we, we do not respond when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, that we will not be able to hear him more, that, that we will, will not be able to hear him as clearly. That if we keep brushing off the, 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 the words of conviction that the Spirit speaks to us, we will Soon, or not, not soon, but over time, lose the ability to sense that conviction. So I believe that, yeah, we need to cultivate a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and to his conviction through a pattern of over and over and over again, just saying, yes, Holy Spirit, yes, Lord, whatever you want, in the big and the small ways, as he speaks to us. I heard someone say once that we cannot have our ears open to the comforting voice of the Holy Spirit, but close our ears to the convicting voice of the Holy Spirit. We have to have our ears attuned to all that the Holy Spirit will want to speak to us. So, the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. So how does the Spirit lead us? Through, through illumination of Scripture, through reminding us of truth, and through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, showing us where you're living outside of God's truth. So why do we desperately need the Holy Spirit in our lives? First, 
We said because his pre- we need his presence to comfort us and to transform us, to remind us that we are not alone. And second, because we need him to guide us in truth. All right, one more. The final uh, thing that we're going to look at, the final thing that Jesus speaks to his disciples about why they need the Holy Spirit, why he is the key to the Christian life is because we need his power. Jesus promises the disciples the power of the Holy Spirit because he knows they need it. Let's turn back in our Bibles to John 14. We're going to read from verse 11, but before we do, I just need to warn you that Jesus, he's about to say something to the disciples that is, frankly, it is, it is hard to believe. It's hard to believe, in fact, if you've never heard this verse before, you might think I'm making it up because it sounds like Jesus is on the verge of uh, some heresy. It's a little bit confusing because Jesus can't do that. But that's what it seems. So let's look at John 14, verse 11. Jesus says, Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. We'll pause there. So Jesus is telling disciples, Hey, don't, don't just take my word for it. Don't just take my word, all, all the things that I've said about who I am. Look at my resume. Look, I've multiplied the food. You saw me open blind eyes. You saw me raise a dead person. I mean, believe because of what I've done. And then in verse 12, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Read that verse and think, what? What could Jesus possibly be meaning? I mean, what's it mean to do greater things than Jesus? I mean, he's perfect. He's fully God. I mean, keep in mind, Jesus told the disciples this just after he told them that they would run around denying him and letting him down. I mean, how, how are these jokers going to do greater things than Jesus? What does Jesus mean? Because I don't think he could possibly mean that what the disciples were going to do would be of greater quality than what Jesus did himself. I mean, Jesus raised the dead. Like, you can't really do any better than that. Am I right? So how do we, how do we beat Jesus? No, we don't. That's not what Jesus was saying. But I, I think what Jesus was saying was that as he puts his spirit in his followers that was limited to Jesus and his bodily presence was soon being made available to all people who call on Jesus' name, that the, the miraculous works of the Holy Spirit would soon go far and wide to the ends of the earth to bring Jesus' glory as all of his people are empowered by his Holy Spirit. You know, supernatural work of the Holy Spirit is, uh, you know, for us, it's an aspect of the Holy Spirit that we are often at least familiar with, or, you know, dare we say, even a little bit uncomfortable with. The fact is, when we look at Scripture, that two-thirds of the time the Holy Spirit is mentioned, it's in reference to the weird stuff, casting out demons and healings and, and, and raising the dead. The Holy Spirit's doing a lot of that in the Scripture. To be honest, it makes sense that, that many of us have a certain uh, lack of awareness and even discomfort when it comes to the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. We don't, we don't see 
the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, we think maybe we should or we'd want to, at least when we look at Scripture, what we might expect. If that's where you are tonight, to be honest, I'm, I'm there with you. But why is that? Why is that? What's the gap between the radical promises of Jesus and our experience? I think what's in the gap is it's pretty simple. I think it's this. I think it is our our expectations. I mean, do we expect that Jesus desires and has the ability to empower us to do what he did by the power of the Holy Spirit to bring him glory? I know I, for one, am always needing to raise my level of expectation. Because it can be easy, right? Slip into the mindset of, you know, my abilities are enough, that my skills are enough, that my mind is enough to do all the stuff that God wants me to do. But who am I kidding? I mean, I'm, I'm not enough. You're not enough, and none of us are enough to do the, the, the immeasurable and, and glorious things that he wants to do through us to bring him glory and to bring others to him. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The disciples needed it. We need it too. So the question is, how, how, do we, how do we raise our level of expectation? I think we do it by just doing two simple things. I think we do it by, uh, say this, we, we, we ask and we act. We raise our level of expectation by uh, first asking. Asking the Holy Spirit to do his supernatural work through us. Sometimes we can feel like Peter. I mean, Peter must have been thinking in the middle of this conversation, like, what? Like, Jesus, you're going to do the supernatural through me? Like, I'm, I'm the denier. Like, I'm still trying to, my head is spinning. Like, how is this going to happen? You know, who does, who does the Holy Spirit use? Who does Jesus use to glorify himself through, um, through, through his power? I think it's pretty simple. I think Jesus uses people who are, uh, who know they're not enough, people who know that the Holy Spirit is more than enough, and who believe that he can do it. In other words, humble, dependent, expectant people. Not perfect people. None of us will qualify for that. Humble, ex- dependent, expectant people. I think that is who the Holy Spirit wants to use in this room. So as we pray, uh, as, as we ask, we open our hearts to what the Holy Spirit might want to do through us for the good of others and to glorify Jesus. And after we ask, we act. What does acting look like? Well, we have an axiom in, in, in Chi Alpha that's we never miss an opportunity to pray for someone. We never miss an opportunity to pray for someone. That, that when you see a need to take a step of faith, to pray for the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do in that person's life and in their situation. I believe that as we ask the Holy Spirit to use us and as we act and take steps of faith, we'll see our level of expectation rise. I head towards our closing with a, with a story, with a picture of how we've seen this look in our, our fellowship over the years. Years ago, uh, Pete gave a message uh, on this topic of the Holy Spirit uh, using the same passage in John uh, in this room. So here we are again. And 
after the message, a young woman uh, came forward uh, by the name of Debbie to, to talk to Pete, and she asked Pete, what, what do you think about, about healing? Does God heal today? She was asking because uh, Debbie had a chronic uh, hearing loss issue, and she had been to doctors uh, throughout her childhood, and she'd been prayed for you know, many times before and had not experienced healing. So she was just wondering what this meant for her. And uh, Pete, told G, uh, Pete told Debbie that, yeah, I mean, I believe that the Holy Spirit has the power to heal. Well, later that week on a Friday night, actually at a dive deep, so um, it was just announced earlier tonight, Debbie was there and she was worshiping God and in the middle of dive deep, one of her friends felt impressed upon himself by the Holy Spirit. He felt the Holy Spirit telling him to go and to pray for Debbie and to, to, to pray that she would be healed. So he grabbed some friends, they went to Debbie and they laid hands on her and, and prayed. And I mean, it's not, nothing scripted. I mean, not, nothing special other than them crying out to the Holy Spirit with expectancy that he would do something powerful. As they were praying, Debbie all, all of a sudden felt this pop in her ear. And then in an instant, her hearing was radically changed. She could hear radically better. And her friends and her, they, they were ecstatic. They didn't know what to think. They were um, overjoyed because it appeared the Holy Spirit had just in that moment healed her ear. Debbie wanted to make sure, because again, from her history of being prayed for many times before, wanted to make sure like, that this was real, that this had happened. So she went home, went to the audiologist, ran the reports, and they came back. It was, medically proven that somehow, unexplainably, her hearing had dramatically improved. So Debbie came back to, to grounds later that year, stood on this stage and showed the audiology report on, on this screen and testified to the community of the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit in her life. Debbie was healed faith of the community was increased. And Jesus was glorified. You know, Paul said that uh, he, didn't, he didn't come to, 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 to towns and to cities to, to proclaim Jesus only with wise and persuasive words, but with demonstrations of the Spirit's power. I mean, yeah, why, why does God heal today? Yes, he cares about individual needs and lives. He wants to bring restoration. wants to bring uh, the kingdom now as we await for the fullness of the kingdom. But, but what we also know is that when we pray and we take steps of faith and we step out in expectancy that it's not about us, but God's glorified. People's hearts are turned towards him, that, that, that they see that, that the God of, 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 of Jesus, that the Holy Spirit is the God who can make a difference in their life, who cares about them and who knows them who can meet their every need. So why do we need God's power? Because we want to see that happen. Because Jesus said that you will see even greater things than these. And I can help but believe when he saw Debbie's story unfold at Dive Deep years ago on a Friday night, he said, that is what I'm talking about. That's my children operating in, in faith and expectancy, knowing that 
It's not about them. Of, of course they can't do it on their own, but they are leaning into the Holy Spirit and believing that he can make a difference. Because of that, God was glorified. Jesus' name was lifted high as the Holy Spirit did his work through those students. So, to bring this to a conclusion, what's the key to the Christian life? It's the essential element. It's the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit who is with you and in you. Holy Spirit who will lead you in truth and the Holy Spirit whose power will enable you to do great things for his glory. Stand with me. We're going to end with a song, but before we begin singing, uh, I want to encourage us to take a few moments to uh, process through a few questions. And the questions, I believe, will be up on the screen. First, have you embraced the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life? You know, do, do you know that you are not alone? That right now, tonight, whatever you are going through, whatever you are experiencing, that the Holy Spirit is with you and that he wants to bring peace and transformation in your life. Scriptures say that, that the presence of the Holy Spirit brings joy in the midst of darkness. The presence of the Holy Spirit brings peace to endure whatever you're going through. The, the presence of the Holy Spirit brings a, a, the goodness of God to assure you, yes, whatever you're going through, God... God is good, and the Holy Spirit wants you to know that tonight. That He doesn't just want you to convince yourself that He is good, but He wants to show you that tonight. Do you, do you need to tune your heart to the Spirit's presence tonight? And second, are you submitted to the Holy Spirit? If you're honest, the Holy Spirit, you might say that a bit of a callus has formed over your heart, that you don't sense the, the voice of the Holy Spirit as often as you used to. You know that if you allow him to approach you fully tonight, that he might have a few things to say. I encourage you to be, to be honest with the Holy Spirit tonight. The taking off the callus can be a little bit uh, painful, that there can be fear, uncertainty, and, and just sorrow over the callus. But what I believe is if you open yourself up to the Holy Spirit, he only wants to come to redeem and restore whatever you've been through. And finally, you're expectant of the Spirit's power in your life. If you're thinking, God can never use me in those kind of ways, you're right. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. If that's you, I'd encourage you to confess that lack of expectancy to God and ask him to increase your faith. Just come before him as that humble, dependent, expectant person and ask him to give you opportunities to exercise that expectancy this week. Let's pray and then uh, spend a moment to reflect and then we'll sing. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your power. We thank you that you do lead us in truth. Even tonight, we just invite you to to come and meet with us uh, in a real way. God, open our eyes where we've missed you. Open our ears to where you've been trying to, to communicate and speak to us. We haven't heard you. We ask you to come and minister to us tonight, Holy Spirit, and that you would show us what it means to be in relationship with you, to enjoy uh, your presence and, 
and all that you want to do in and through us. So be with us now, Holy Spirit. We love you. Amen. Tonight, as we go from this place, may you know that you go with the presence of the Holy Spirit who is with you and who is in you. You're never alone. May you go knowing that the Holy Spirit is your guide, that whether the world or the enemy, your own doubts would seek to throw you into confusion, that he wants to lead you in truth. As we go from this place, may you go humble, dependent, and expectant See the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. Before I give the benediction, I'll make a brief announcement. This Thursday, uh, we have uh, we're calling a Holy Spirit Empowerment Seminar. If the empowering work of the Spirit is something you have questions about or are uh, interested in and, and curious learning more about, I encourage you to come to that. That's going to be at 5 o'clock uh, at the Hub in the Haroom Pete and Christopher are going to be teaching that class, so I encourage you to, to come to that if you are interested in learning more about that. So now for the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia podcast. For more information, you can visit our website, xaatuva.com.